preview the powerful SEC conference, as well as college football odds and contenders for the national championship. In case you missed it, click the link here or head over to our BetUS college football channel, subscribe and hit the bell to get notified. You're welcome. Week one of the college football season is here, and you know what that means, it's time to play some bets. You can make every bet count with our college and NFL featured and free events, plus we just opened our NFL survivor pool, do you have what it takes to be the last player standing? Winner takes it all. And in case you haven't tried out our live betting platform, now it's the time. Try it risk-free with a dollar-for-dollar dollar match up to $100. Kick off the college and pro seasons by getting in on all the football action here at BetUS where the game begins. Welcome into the BetUS College Football Show. And of course, this is the week one slate part two. If you want to catch yesterday's show, of course, go back and check it out on the channel. We would certainly appreciate that. This is brought to you by our experts here at BetUS, where the game begins. Go ahead and let you know. Subscribe to the channel. We are going live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and every Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time, discussing that week's action, the games where we find value, etc. Let's introduce our guests here, our experts. To the left, we have Parker Fleming. You can find him on Twitter at Stats of War. He is our analyst. And to the right, we have got Kyle Hunter, an award-winning professional handicapper. You can find him on Twitter at Kyle Hunter Picks. Now, let's get to what you're really here for, and that is the promo code, of course. NCAAF 2021. You go to BetUS.com, where the game begins. That's going to give you a 125% deposit bonus, up to $2,500. It's a ridiculous deal. I cannot stress it enough that you need to take advantage of it right now. Again, the promo code NCAAF2021. There is a link in the description. Now, I've already said to subscribe, but here's what we need from you. This show is free. We come on here. We have a good time. We want you to jump into the chat. We're going to have a Q&A at the end. But like the video and make sure and hit that notification bell for us. We certainly want that because that way it lets you know exactly when we are live. I've already told you the times, but in case you forget, that notification bell will help it out. Uh, gentlemen, how are we doing? Parker, you feeling good today? I am. Ready to talk some more football. Ready to um, watch some of these games. I mean, we've got a real live Boise Boise UCF tonight, like a real live football game. Yes. So I'm pretty excited. As we, we got to watch some last night. Kyle, everything going well with you? Uh, did you watch UAB last night? Did you, did you see the dominant Bill Clark defense? I really didn't, but I'm looking forward to the games tonight and uh, – you know that Ohio State's going to be on here in my household, so uh, looking forward to all the games, though. Absolutely. Well, with that said, let's go ahead and dive into our first game, and this is going to be a Saturday noon game, Penn State at Wisconsin. That's right. We're going up to Camp Randall. We are going to have ourselves a James Franklin and Paul Christ battle, and this is an awesome game. The line sits Wisconsin minus five and a half right now. Total is only at 50. So not too crazy. If you like the lines on the money line, you got plus 180 here. So 
Uh, prevailing thought, I believe, is that Sean Clifford has to take a massive step forward this year under new offensive coordinator Mike Yurcich. But, you know, with the running back core a little more uh, strength this year, a little more of a strength this year, I, I don't know if that's necessarily true. We can talk all kind of numbers. Parker, I know that you like Penn State in this matchup. We'll start with you. Go ahead and tell me why you like Penn State here. Um, I think that Wisconsin played so few games so sporadically last year that we really don't have a ton of information about who Wisconsin is. Um, and and I think that they're a little bit overrated by, you know, or, or perceptions inflated by games against Illinois, a pretty poor Michigan team, and then an absolute blowout of Wake Forest where, um, you know, in, in that game, they got outgained in total yards almost two to one because they were starting uh, every drive in Wake Forest territory. So uh, Wisconsin, I have at, at 106 uh, in EPA per play. Of course, not um, that's not opponent adjusted. They're, they're probably a, more in the 60s if you if you account for opponent there. Um, I do have their defense as 10th overall. So a really defensive heavy team. They're going to want to play slow. Graham Mertz, I think they're going to want to run the ball and then try to get Mertz over the top and kind of get the big play here. Um, and I think Penn State's defense will be a little bit better suited. They've got um, – uh, you know, a, a transfer from from Duke uh, along the defensive line that's going to be really, really disruptive. They've got a lot returning uh, in the secondary there. And then I think on offense, you know, they were 96th overall last year, 91st in the rush, 71st in the pass. They just could not get anything going either way. They really clammed up um, in the red zone, which is really, really their um, their struggle last year. They, um, you know, just kind of changed their play calling entirely as they got across the 40. And so I think with, with your chicks there, they're not going to have to worry about kind of the particular mix without saying too much. Uh, Kirk, Kirk Soroka needed two downfield wide receiver threats, and they really had uh, a tight end and, and just a, a wide receiver. So last year, they really didn't have a good fit. I think Clifford with a full offseason of work, they, their offense will not be 96th in the nation again. Um, and so I, I like their I like their big play potential on offense against a Wisconsin team that's going to try and limit possessions. Um, I think that Penn State will make it count, and I think five and a half is a, is a fine line here. That certainly makes sense. Uh, you know, Wisconsin's defense, big on stopping the run, but they were susceptible to the deep pass. Now, Sean Clifford did not show a propensity to do that last year, but I do think with the change in offense, we could certainly see it, especially in this game. Uh, Kyle, give me your thoughts on this from a from a numbers perspective. Yeah, you know, I think Penn State's a team that has the, the best tailback tandem in the Big Ten. Really good running backs. I think they're going to be very good all season. Uh, Berger's really good for Wisconsin. They have a Clemson transfer as well and a couple highly rated uh, recruits. So these are two teams that I think it's going to be really interesting to see who can stop the run, who's successful running the football. I think Graham Mertz is a really big key in this game because we saw Mertz can be very good. He wasn't consistently very good last year. Do we think that he's going to take that next step forward? He was a highly touted guy. I think he's better than what he showed for most of last season. Um, Penn State was clearly better than their record last year. I still don't trust James Franklin a lot in these big spots. Uh, it seems like he's found a way to lose some of these games. But here we're getting plus five and a half. It's hard to disagree in a game that seems like it should go down to you know final possession, take the five and a half points. Uh, I think Penn State's defensive line is down. So I do think Wisconsin could move the ball a decent amount here. This total is right where I made it. So no lean on the total. I'm going to pass on this game, but I do think this is one that you're going to want to tune into for sure. With that said, let's move into the official picks for this game. And Parker is going to ride the plus five and a half here. Now, I'm going to pass on it. I'm terrified of James Franklin in these situations. Uh, I want to see what he does here. 
but uh, you know Parker's in on it, and and Kyle and I both will pass. So that is going to move us to our next game, and we are moving into the 3:30 Eastern time time slot. And the first one is Marshall and Navy. The line sits Marshall minus two and a half. Now this is at Navy here, so Marshall is going on the road. Uh, money line if you are a Navy fan, uh, plus 115 here if they if you think that they can get the win. I, uh, I I don't have much to say about the total, but Kyle might have something on that here in a little bit. I will go ahead and tell you, Marshall 2-0 against the spread as a road favorite last year. Charles Huff, this will be his first game as a head coach going up against the veteran Ken Niamatalola. Uh, Marshall defense was number one in scoring defense in 2020. They only allowed 96 yards rushing per game, and I think that that defensive line is going to be up to the task again uh, along with those linebackers. Uh, Grant Wells, the quarterback for Marshall, he was awesome until the last three games when the offensive line was absolutely decimated. I I love Marshall in the spot. I think the offensive line will be good. I don't think that Navy has any kind of a pass rush to get to Wells. And the Marshall wide receivers have a major, major size advantage over the Navy secondary. I, I love Marshall in this spot. I've actually got the number at seven. Uh, let's start off with you, Kyle. Do you have any thoughts on Marshall and Navy? Yeah, I mean, Marshall's rushing defense is so good. They were second in PFF rushing grade defense last year. I think they're going to be very good again this year. I did want to say, I think it was stunning that Doc Holliday was fired at the end of last year. You know, as good as he had done here, I think it's hard to find a uh, more surprising firing here in the last three or four or five years in college football. You know, how does that affect the team? I do think that they like their new coach. So uh, I would assume that Marshall will be ready for a game like this. Navy was so weak last year compared to what we're used to seeing from them. Um, Navy 3.68 yards per carry last year. If they're only that efficient running the football in general, Navy is not going to be winning very many games. I do think Navy's defense is a fairly good defense. They're a pretty veteran group. I certainly lean to the under in this game. And I will say that, you know, it's hard to take unders at a total like 47, but you got to remember the odds makers can only set the total so low. You know, if, if it's on a bell curve, uh, most of the scores are going to be in that 40, some uh, 49 to 59 range. So the totals that are really low and the totals that are really high sometimes can have value because you can only set it so low or so high. So uh, I think Marshall's a team that has a much higher upside than Navy. If I had to bet a side in this game, I'd be betting Marshall. I don't trust Navy enough, but uh, my strongest lean here is the under. Parker, you got to lean on this game. I, I think that um, I, the, the reason I didn't have a pick here is just because down the stretch, both teams kind of started flailing. You know, um, Marshall went over three, and you're right, Grant Wells was not himself. They lost one of the more unexpected games of the season, you know, a, a 20 to nothing loss to, to Rice uh, playing a backup quarterback, which was just uh, bizarre. And then Navy, you know, down the stretch, played a couple of really grueling games against Army, Tulsa, Memphis, but couldn't pull any of them out. Um, even SMU, they, they, they kept pace, but, uh, but fell short at 37 to 51. So I, I think that Marshall's defense is really, really good. I, I like the under here because I do think that, uh, you know, N Navy gets a little bit more spread heavy than they get credit for in terms of their style, but they'll still want to play slow. They'll want to limit possessions. Um, but I don't I don't really have a play here just because of the uncertainty at the end of the season for both of them. I don't know um, who, who we're going to see on the field. I don't know what Navy's going to look like with a full offseason of prep compared to what they looked like last year. Remember, they had uh, just an embarrassing game against BYU where they hadn't practiced tackling in the offseason and so all sorts of all sorts of nonsense. Too much uncertainty on both sides here for me to for me to play this game. 
so let's move to the official picks. And I am the only one that will have an official play here. I took Marshall at minus two. I still like it at two and a half. That is where it sits currently. And the two gentlemen next to me will both pass on this. So let's move on to the next one. This is a big one. We have got Alabama and Miami in Atlanta, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. The defending national champions against the upstart Hurricanes with, what, sixth-year quarterback, Derek King. The line sits at Alabama as a 19.5-point favorite here. Total is 61. Now, Manny Diaz moving into his third season. You've got Rhett Lashley, the offensive coordinator, in his second season. This reminds me of the 2014 Alabama-West Virginia game in Atlanta that Alabama was a 20-point favorite in that spot. Ended up winning the game 33-23, to but they were changing over offensive coordinator. They were changing over quarterback. They had a bunch of guys missing from the offensive line. The defense was good, and Saban decided, you know what, we're not going to take a whole lot of risks here. We are going to run the ball and play defense. And I feel like that's the same thing that could happen here, especially with a young quarterback with Bryce Young. Parker, I know that you like this game. Let's swap back over to you. Tell me your thoughts on the Hurricanes. The reason that I am, am, am in favor of the Hurricanes here is not because they'll win this game, but because I think 18 and a half points is way too many. I think that we have a really strong backdoor cover potential with how potentially explosive Miami's offense is. So they were 32nd last year in EPA per play, um, only 30th in the pass, but they, they really were able to kind of pop off big plays and they were able to take advantage of matchups. Now, of course, Alabama is extremely deep on defense and I don't expect them to present uh, many opportunities for you know, matchups to be uh, uh, taken advantage of. But I think that Derek King is a much better quarterback than he gets credit for. I think that Miami, uh, you know, I can't fault them for, for letting games against Clemson and North Carolina kind of get out of their way, uh, or excuse me, not get out of their way, get, get, get out of hand. Um, and so I, I really do think that this is a game that Miami will be able to um, lose comfortably, but lose in a way that they show off some of their offensive prowess. Again, you think about, um, you're talking about analogs of games 2014. I, I'd actually go last year to um, Alabama Ole Miss, which was 63-48, or Alabama Florida 52-46. I, I think that we'll see something more in the range of a shootout here, perhaps more of a shootout than Nick Saban wants, which good. He needs a, you know, every every year he needs a reason to get a chip on his shoulder and uh, really buckle down. So the, my, I think Miami will score enough points to um, make him uh, – have that chip on his shoulder. That that tends to make sense. That tends to make sense. Um, Kyle, you did not have a play on this game. I, I am taking Miami as well in this spot, not because I think they will win the game, but because I do believe that they will keep it close uh, or close enough. So um, with that said, let's uh, let's go ahead and, and try and move this along because we do want to get to a Q&A at the end of the show. We'll move on to the next game. I've got Miami of Ohio and Cincinnati. And this is another 3.30 p.m. Eastern. Up, I am sorry. Our official picks on this. Miami. Miami plus 18 and a half. That's what we took it at. It's now at 19 and a half. My apologies for that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Kyle doesn't have a play on this. But Parker and I are both going to ride it. We're both playing it. We took it at 18 and a half. We will certainly take it at 19 and a half. Because we do think that they will keep it close. Or at least closer. Not that they'll win the game. So, with that said. Now, moving along. We are going to move to Miami of Ohio at Cincinnati. These are the darlings of the G5, the Cincinnati Bearcats. They are favored by 23 at home. The total sits at 50 and a half. Cincinnati 3-0 and against the spread their last three against Miami of Ohio. And <clears throat> none of those lines have been quite this 
this big, right? It's just been a little crazy. Cincinnati, number 54 overall in 247's team talent composite. Miami is number 110. Desmond Ritter really improved last season as a quarterback. I fully expect him to continue showing that. I mean, he, he averaged over six yards per rush along with his QBR, which was 21st in the country. Um, I think there's something to the idea that I mentioned yesterday to Parker that teams like Miami have not seen a team as good or as talented as Cincinnati in two years now. I, I think that could end up meaning something. Cincinnati could win this game. I've actually got the line at 28. They could win this game by four touchdowns without really having to break a sweat too much. Um, I, I feel really good about Cincinnati. Uh, Kyle, do you have any thoughts on the Bearcats? Yeah, I mean, Miami played three games last year, which, uh, you know, we don't have much to go off of from them. If you go back to a couple of years ago, Miami's defense is okay, uh, not tremendous by any means. Uh, Gabbard's a pretty good quarterback for the MAC. Sorensen's an excellent receiver. But Cincinnati's defense is so freaking good. This is a tremendous defense. Uh, I know some people like to say, well, you know, they don't play the quality competition other guys do. Uh, Cincinnati was number one rated defense overall, according to PFF last year. They have really no weakness. Uh, usually you can be a bit stronger versus the pass or the run. Cincinnati's just very good. Fickle's a tremendous coach. You know, I guess my question is what to think of uh, Desmond Ritter. I do think he's been a bit inconsistent. He has some really good performances and then some questionable performances. Cincinnati was 63rd in pass offense on PFF last year. I think they do need to be better than that. I don't think Miami's a very big test for them here. I also think that Miami's offense is unlikely to be able to score very many points here. Uh, team total under on Miami is going to be a low number, but I don't think they're going to score very many. Uh, so I tend to agree if I had to bet something in this game, I would bet Cincinnati just because their offense should be able to score enough points. I don't think Miami can keep up much at all here. Uh, Parker, it, I, I feel like you are like me. We both like Chuck Martin, the head coach of Miami of Ohio. Uh, but do you do you see much of a path forward for them to be able to keep this game relatively close? Um, I, I I don't. This is really hard because, like as Kyle said, they only played three games last year, and one of their wins was was you know Akron. Um, and and uh, yeah, yeah I, I again, this is similar to the um, Navy game. This is similar to most of the MAC games to start out here. Is like I just I'm just not going to bet on the MAC games right now because I don't have enough information. I'll say last year also the MAC uh escaped me i the most of my wrong picks last year were, were the mac were ball state specifically ruining my life and so um i'd like a little more information i'd like a bigger sample size again i think cincinnati's very very good i do think that they will be um at the top of the g5 again but uh this game right here i mean i, I don't must treat this like an fcs game totally fair so, totally so fair. the question is um in saying that i should elaborate uh i'm treating this almost like an fcs game I don't know that Cincinnati starters will play past the second quarter. So I don't know what that does for a total. I don't know what that looks like. Uh, so I'm so I'm out on this one. Totally fair. So that moves us into the official picks here. Parker is going to pass. Kyle is going to pass. And I'm going to take Cincinnati to make a statement in their home state. I'm taking the 23. I am rolling with it. I'm going to lay it. And we are, we are ready to roll because I think the Bearcats win big here. So let's move on to yet another 3.30 Eastern Time game. We've got West Virginia and Maryland. This is going to be a fun matchup. Not a ton of hype around it because there are a ton of big games this weekend. But West Virginia-Maryland, Neil Brown against Mike Loxley. This is fun. The line sits at West Virginia as a three-point favorite, and it's even odds on that. 
the money line, Maryland plus 125 as the underdog total of 57. Uh, Maryland's offense with Talia Tongavaloa is insanely volatile. Uh, they they put up 11 points on Indiana, but they put up 35 points on Penn State. You just never know when they're going to hit you. They've got the explosive capabilities, but they don't always show it. They're not very consistent. Uh, Kyle, I I am curious your thoughts on this game here with West Virginia. Yeah, I want to start this out by saying uh, Neil Brown versus Mike Loxley. A big coaching advantage here for West Virginia. I assume uh, no disagreement on that here from you guys. Oh, no. uh, you can you can shout me out if you do dis- disagree with that one. I will say, uh, I know there was plenty of people on YouTube that didn't really like my Maryland take before the season. Uh, certainly nothing personal. I, I uh, have nothing against Maryland. I think that Mike Loxley, though, has not proven himself as a head coach. You know, maybe as an assistant, he's done a good job, but as a head coach, uh, hasn't proven anything at all. West Virginia's defense ranked number three in the overall uh, defense grade, according to PFF last year. They're good against the run and the pass. I do think West Virginia's offense is better than some people think. Uh, Deggie's, uh, his numbers were really weak last year. They had a lot of drops, especially on deep balls. I think the wide receivers will be better than last year. Uh, it's not a really high bar to clear, but uh, Letty Brown, an underrated running back. You know, you look at his numbers, uh, an offensive line that's improving for West Virginia. I think West Virginia can score more points here than most people think. I think their offense is underrated. And Maryland, sure, they have a ton of potential as an offense. And I realize there's a chance that they come out and win this game by a solid margin just because their offense goes crazy with Talia Tagovailoa. But uh, they were ranked 85th in PFF passing grade last year. So this is not an offense that we saw greatness out of week in and week out. I know that West Virginia's defense is good. We know that much for sure. Their pass defense is a difficult one to go up against. Uh, You know, this is one of the best defense they're going to play this year for sure. I made this number West Virginia minus six. So if you're going to give me three, uh, a key number at even plus 100 juice, I have to take it. Three being a key number, four also being a key number. I think West Virginia is a pretty good team, a very well coached team. So I'll take West Virginia in this one. That makes sense. Uh, Parker, I know that you are a Big 12 guy. Uh, I wrote down here, will West Virginia defense be just as good even with defensive end Pooler and Safety Smith transferring out? Uh, give me give me your thoughts here. Yeah, they have a couple transfers that are going to address that. And, you know, talking to some of the West Virginia guys, they feel um, pretty confident with the turnover that they've been able to. Um, they, they feel like they've made selective turnover. Obviously, losing Tyke Smith is huge. Big 12 freshman of the year on on defense or all, all conference, I think, on defense. Um, and so a huge, huge loss there. But again, uh, you know, for as much as Neil Brown has talked about his offenses, like they these teams have always been defense heavy. And this this team is very, very defensively competent. Um, again, the the reason that I'm not playing this is because I do believe in Jared Dagey. I will spare our viewers here, but uh, if you want a Jared Dagey monologue, uh, you know, on my podcast, we did a really deep West Virginia dive, and I do think that they're underrated. I think if you look at some of the pressure numbers, um, Dagey from a clean pocket last year had a similar completion percentage or accuracy percentage as like Matt Corral. Uh, so, of course, the the depth of target is different and, you know, pressure is a function of a quarterback and, and everything, too. But I think there is, are some signs to say that they could, you know, not be playing three freshmen on the offensive line. They will improve. But the reason I'm not playing it here is because Maryland is so volatile and 
West Virginia's offense is so volatile that I can see any number of situations happening where this gets weirdly pointy, where this gets extremely one-sided, where Maryland pops off two big plays and then doesn't move the ball at all. Remember Miami-Louisville last year? I could see a game like that. So uh, th this one, again, I know early in the season I keep talking about uncertainty is high. Uncertainty is high. Um, and so for games like this where I've got uncertainty on both sides and kind of that asymmetry, I don't, I don't have a play. But this one is definitely one that I'll be watching. So with that said, let's move to the official picks here. And Kyle, he has taken uh, West Virginia at minus two and a half, but he, as he said, he is also going to lay the three. I'm going to stay away from it because I am terrified of Maryland, and and I think that I know what I'm getting from West Virginia. If I had to go a certain way, I would certainly go that way and lean the Mountaineers, but I am not going to play it. So, uh, And Parker, of course, is going to pass on this one as well. Moving forward, yet another 3.30 p.m. Eastern time game. And this would be Indiana at Iowa. The Big Ten just starting off with some big-time matchups. Iowa currently a three-and-a-half-point favorite here. And, you know, we got the return of Michael Penix Jr. I, I feel okay about that. He was 53rd in QBR last year when he was healthy and only completed 56% of his passes. Uh, was Tom Allen's team for real last year? I kind of feel like I know what I'm going to get from Kirk Ferentz. I know that the defensive line has got some turnover this year, but if there's anybody that I trust to rebuild a defensive line, it would be uh, defense coordinator uh, Phil Parker and and that Iowa team. I, I feel good about Iowa here, but Parker, you're going to give me reasons why we should probably look at the Hoosiers, right? Yes. So if this game were in week nine, for instance, I think that we'd be talking about a different framing because Iowa is – uh, you know, Kirk Ferentz with Iowa, they're, they're like a diesel engine going up a mountain, right? And, you know, at the very beginning, it takes a little bit. they got to get the wheels turning, got to get the pistons firing, and then they're kind of humming. Um, they clearly do not have a good quarterback. They clearly do not have an offense that inspires confidence or even uh, ex excitement, even in fans. Um, and, and so I think that they are going to be kind of a slow-plotting team. I do think that uh, – Penix back from an injury, has the downfield threat in Ty Freifogel, has, you know, some transfers at running back. Their offensive line has a, uh, was really, really bad last year, and I think that they will be better this year. So I do like Indiana's explosive play potential. I do like their defense under Tom Allen giving that that kind of inept Iowa offense some, some trouble. And so I, I think that I was going to take a little bit of time to get started. I think this being a conference game at the beginning of the season, um, looking at the um, the QBR, you said that. And the big thing there is that, you know, that's split into like running and passing. And last year for 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 passing, Michael Penix was, you know, 73rd in the passing component of, of QBR. But if you look at I mean, he didn't really take a lot of sacks. There was a lot of pressure that he was able to avoid, which kind of dings his passing grade because he's throwing on the run. He's having to make snap decisions. He's having to check down when in reality, those should almost be counted towards his sack EPA. I think he was pressured on 31.7 percent of his dropbacks last year. Yeah. So I expect that to regress. Um, you know, 2019 there was only like 19 percent. I did a little a little quarterback model uh, and looked at improvement year over year. And, and pressure was one thing that really, really changed. Um, opportunity and and Penix was one of the biggest drops year over year and I can attribute almost 60% of that drop to that change in pressure so I expect him to be um, much more well protected and for their scheme to account for you know how do we make sure he doesn't throw on the run he also has the the the, the running ability that I think that Indiana should win this game now, um, and, I, and I do like the points here oh of course of course now Kyle you have got some notes here uh, all about like a, a betting system with this game. Can you tell us a little more about that? 
Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting one that uh, viewers and listeners would want to follow up on throughout the course of the season. In the last 15 years, an underdog of between 3 and 14 points in a game with a total of 48 or lower. So obviously we're looking at underdogs with a low total. That underdog is 551 and 425 ATS, 56.5%. That's a large enough sample size that uh, I think there's something to this, certainly. Uh, so we're looking at a game with a low total taking the underdog. Obviously, you'd be taking Indiana in a game like this. I did want to say quickly, too, 53% of the bets on this game right now on Iowa, 65% of the money on Indiana. So certainly some sharp action on Indiana, at least thus far. Uh, I will say that I don't think it's a good idea to just base your bets solely on that. I think that's one small piece of the puzzle. You know, some of these guys say, okay, the sharps like this, we automatically have to take this. It's not a good way to look at this, but uh, I want to try to give as much information as possible here. And I think that uh, some people do think that that's useful information. Uh, I tend to like the the uh, betting system better than that. But I, I will say Iowa was plus 1.08 yards per play margin last year. Indiana minus 0.47 yards per play. I think Parker is probably making a little face at me for bringing up yards per play margin over there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, is, is Penix 100% healthy? Uh, behind a line that ranked 124th in pass protection last year, according to PFF. You know, my concern about them is, you know, that puts them among the likes of, it was behind Arizona. So, I mean, we know how Arizona was last year. Indiana doesn't have very much of a running game. It puts a lot of pressure on Penix uh, in many ways. And Iowa 11th in PFF coverage grade. I think this is a top 15 secondary every single year in Iowa. So I assume they'll be very good again. Uh, all this is to say that I understand Parker's uh, taking the points in a game like this. It's a low-scoring game. If I had to bet the total, I'd bet the under. It is a low number, and I am going to pass on that. But uh, Indiana slowed their pace last year to 76. This was a team that used to be a very fast-paced team. Iowa always plays slowly, runs the football a lot. I don't think we'll see anything different from them. So I think this will be a close, clean, close game. I can't blame them for taking the points here. So let's move into the official picks here. And Parker is the one that has the play. He's taking Indiana plus three and a half. And uh, and like Kyle said, don't blame him. Don't blame him. Kyle would lean the under. I am going to pass on it. I do feel like Indiana is getting into uh, Iowa's type of game. And I don't know that you want to do that in Kinnick. But we shall see. So that moves us into, we've got two more games. So let me go ahead and remind everybody, we will be doing a Q&A at the end of the show and these games that we have decided to hit on are the ones where we feel like there is the most value. If you do have a question about a game, jump in the chat. We've got somebody curating. We will go through and answer as many as we can at the end of the show. Next game up, 7 p.m. Eastern time, Syracuse heads to Ohio. Um, we don't have Frank Solich anymore. Ohio is a one-and-a-half-point dog to the Orange at home. Total sits at 55-and-a-half. It's, it's maybe Dino Baber's last stand. Uh, Tim Albin is the offensive coordinator at, or, well, now he's the head coach for Ohio, but he was the offensive coordinator for Frank Solich since 2005 at Ohio. I don't expect a lot of changes at all with this Ohio offense. And, you know, I, again, this is a MAC team that I don't know that we can, we didn't learn a lot about them in 2020. Uh, Kyle, I, I know that you feel pretty strongly about this one. Tell me what you know about the Bobcats. Well, I mean, this is more a fate of Syracuse than it is a bet on Ohio for me, certainly. Syracuse managed to go 1-10 last year with a plus-3 turnover margin. That's really hard to do. You're not going to see that very often at all. 
two quarterback system for Syracuse. I don't think neither one. I don't think either one of them are very good. A terrible offensive line in front of them. You you wonder if they could be as bad as last year, but I don't think they're going to be much better. I think Ohio can stop the run well enough here to make Syracuse uh, beat them with the pass. Now you could argue, and I understand that argument that. Syracuse has some pretty good wide receivers versus an Ohio secondary that doesn't see this much talent on a consistent basis. So that would be an understandable point on Syracuse, but I want to see them uh, be successful passing before I trust them to be successful against anybody because they've been so weak. Um, I think Ohio, even without a great pass rush, can probably bother them here. The thing about Ohio, too, is I think their offensive line is strong enough that they can run the football pretty consistently in a game like this. They have a really good backfield several good running backs, both of their quarterbacks, Rourke, Rogers, Rogers, especially a good runner, Rourke, not a bad runner either. I really think they can run the ball, play slowly. Ohio's tempo is very slow. I don't think uh, Syracuse will see the ball too much in this one. I think the Syracuse defensive front could wear down in this one. Ohio's only been a dog six times at home in the last 10 years. So that's pretty rare. They're five and one ATS in those games. I, I will say, I don't think that, that that matters very much because a lot of those were years ago, but it's interesting that they haven't been a home underdog and they're home underdog here to Syracuse. I mean, Syracuse has to prove something to me before I want to trust them to be a road favorite against anybody. And Ohio is not a great team, but this is a solid enough Mac team. Um, my number here was Ohio minus three. So if you give me uh, plus anything, I have to take it in a game like this. So, like I said, this is more a fate of Syracuse, and I want them to prove it to me uh, without uh, having to fade a team like this uh, as a favorite on the road. It's a, you talked about Syracuse's wide receivers and whatnot. We really didn't get to see them because the offensive line didn't give the quarterbacks enough time to even get the ball down the field last year. Uh, so I, I am curious if they have improved in that at all. Uh, if not, even a defensive line and linebacker court like what Ohio has will be able to get pressure uh, it should be an interesting game nonetheless. So let's move into the official picks. Parker, I know you don't want to talk about the MAC team, so we'll dump off of that one. The official pick here, Kyle is rolling Ohio plus one and a half. I am staying away. I don't know enough about it. I tried to get some info. I, I know what Kyle is saying, and I get where he's coming from, but I'm staying away, and so is Parker. That is going to move us to our last game before the Q&A, and I know that Parker is all in on this one. Louisville at Ole Miss on Monday night. Labor Day night, Ole Miss all the way up to a 10 and a half point favorite here. The total sits at 75 and a half. These were two defenses that were not great at stopping anybody. They both lost a lot of skill players. Ole Miss 3.3 points per drive last year. That was number 10 in the FBS. Louisville number 114 in defensive returning production, 58%. And I don't know what the what the feeling is around Louisville right now, because there were a lot of people mad at Scott Satterfield with the way that he was looking around at other jobs last year. So who knows what to expect out of this? The only thing that I do know to expect is that this game is going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, Parker, give me some thoughts on, on the lane train over in Oxford. I, I think that this is going to be one of those fun games this weekend, um, which is just just fun to have one on week one that's going to be, you know, so exciting. I don't know how Louisville keeps getting in the crosshairs here where they have to play a very explosive team the week one of the season. But, you know, uh, trial by fire and you kind of get prepped for that. Uh, you, you kind of took the words out of my mouth there. Louisville loses so much on defense and this Ole Miss offense with Corral and then the offensive line he has around him. The skill players almost don't matter. Um, I mean, they do matter, but they're going to have the guys. That's what I mean to say um, there. So I have Ole Miss 
is the seventh best passing offense last year. I have Ole Miss as um, the the 13th best overall uh, offense. And uh, one thing that's really, really interesting, they they don't get a lot of, uh, you know, I talk about quality possessions and that echo rate. Uh, they, they only had a, an echo rate of 66%, um, and their points per echo was, was 80th. So what that means, Gary, is that they're not getting scoring opportunities often. Like, they're not going to drive the ball and get into your 40 they're going to score a touchdown from 40 from 40 yards out. Um, and so I think I think that they're really, really explosive. I think Louisville has shown um, that they are susceptible under Satterfield to uh, match up weirdness. And I think that um, Lane is going to throw everything out there uh, to mess with them and, and win this game on a big stage. This will be, you know, a, a big opportunity for Matt Corral uh, to kind of show his Heisman candidacy against, a you know, a, a, Power five non-con opponent. So this game absolutely take the over, but I think Ole Miss should win this comfortably. I'm not excited about um, Louisville's offensive potential. Um, I had them at, at, at 27th overall on offense last year, but if you look at the games where they were scoring, um, it was kind of concentrated in you know some some not great teams. That 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 Florida State game sticks out where they had 0.422 EPA per play, which you know that performance and five dollars might get you a Big Mac, uh, and so that that really doesn't do much for me in terms of inspiring confidence going forward. So I, I, I think that this game, especially with kind of the, the locker room stuff that's there potentially for Louisville, um, plus not to mention, uh, I'm sure this, I'm stealing one of Kyle's stats here, but like turnover margin, Louisville just handed the ball uh, over left and right last year. So I think this would be a fun game. I think this would be like a five hour game because there's going to be passing and turnovers and commercial breaks and kickoffs. And, you know, so so it'll, it'll be a fun way to close out the weekend. But I, I, I think that Ole Miss will be a, a team much better in terms of uh, quality than than Louisville. And, and they should they should absolutely win this uh, 10.5. I think this started at like seven or something yeah. a couple of weeks ago and moved a lot. Um, and I, I still would take it at ten and a half, even though I got it at seven when it came out. Now, Kyle, I used to be a man of principle way years ago. If a line was or a, excuse me, not a line, if a total was at around 75 points, I was taking the under based on principle. I, <clears throat> I don't know that there's any way that you could possibly take the under in this game, can you? Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't take the under in this one. I wouldn't want any part of that. You know, I feel like if you take the under in a game like this, it's not going to be very much fun to watch this game. I mean, there's going to be so much explosive plays from both sides. Um, I wish I had taken Ole Miss minus seven, certainly. Going back on it, I wish I had grabbed that. I can't take ten and a half. You know, I feel like there's backdoor potential in a game like this. Ole Miss defense is so weak. Um, you know, I will say Satterfield really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way in the offseason. Uh, that concerns me about a team like Louisville. Remember I, Cunningham, an absolute turnover machine with Atwell, Hawkins, and company. And now he's without those guys. A pretty good offensive line, but not the skill position talent they've had in the past. Uh, I know Cunningham still has an upside. Uh, he can scramble and make some plays, but I need to see him do it consistently before I really trust him because he has less talent around him. I, I think that you know Matt Corral is the best quarterback in the SEC. Um, more gone at wide receiver certainly hurts, but they have some really good running backs. Uh, the offensive line graded out better and better as the year went on last year for Ole Miss. That's something that you can kind of look at the PFF grades and see that this team was getting better and better on the offensive line. I think they'll be much better on the offensive line this year than they were last year. I think Louisville has very little chance of stopping Ole Miss in a game like this. The question is how many points is Louisville going to score? So I will say, you know, it's hard to take over 75 and a half, and that's kind of what Gary was alluding to. 
I don't like doing this. I, I don't think I'm going to bet the game total in this one. Uh, this implies a team total of maybe 42 and a half, 43 on team like Ole Miss. I lean over on that. I think I'd rather take that than I would the minus 10 and a half because I think there are definitely situations where this could be just an epic shootout of a game. So uh, I like Ole Miss team total over if I have to bet something here. But I'm fired up to watch this game, guys. This is, I, I, when I saw Parker put this one on our uh, preview sheet, I was thinking, yes, we have to talk about this game, definitely. So this one's going to be a <laughs> lot was, of fun. That was my note. My note was like, how do we not yep. talk about this game? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, you brought up the, uh, the Ole Miss offensive line. One thing that's not brought up very much, I mean, they they had the best rushing offense in the SEC last year, if I'm not mistaken. They were unbelievable with uh, with Ely and uh, uh, who was it? Uh, Cooper is the other. No, not Cooper. Either way, either way, the running back core is legit, and Ely is is going to be an NFL back. Absolutely. So let's move to the official picks here, and we have got Parker at Ole Miss minus ten and a half. I'm going to stay away from it. It got a little bit too big for my blood, but that's the way it goes. And Kyle is going to lean the over, uh, maybe toss a little pizza money on that, and and it should be fun. This is one that would be fun to bet the the over or bet the team total over for Ole Miss, which, like you said, should be implied around 42, 43 points with that. So hope for a lot of points on Labor Day night. Now, with that said, we're going to jump into uh, a little Q&A, and we did have some questions in the chat. Of course... The, the first question that we get here was Georgia and Clemson. Everybody wants to know what to expect from the Tigers and the Bulldogs. It is a top five matchup. It's in Charlotte on Saturday night. Big time broadcast. It's where game day is going to be. Uh, the line is at three right now, if I'm not mistaken. I'm, I'm trying to pull it up as we speak. But I, I have loved Georgia all throughout this offseason. I feel really good about this team. But... I am hearing rumblings, and none of this is substantiated. None of this is verified, whatever. I, I hear that there may be some COVID issues on both sides. We can expect to hear something more about that on game day, so I'm not going to touch it right now. Uh, Parker, do you have a feel on this game at all? I don't like – I just don't see there's a lot of value. I mean, it's plus three for Georgia at 110 or minus three for Clemson at 110. I just I – don't, I don't think there's a lot of value there. I think this is going to be a great football game. Um, and, you know, with what we knew, even with earlier lines, what we knew, I probably would have leaned more towards Clemson. But now, uh, you know, I, I haven't heard anything about eligibility, not eligibility, availability or, or yeah. anything on the rosters. And, of course, we'll see. The thing I have heard is that Clemson doesn't have a center. Clemson doesn't know who's going to be anchoring their interior offensive line. And Georgia has um, some absolute monsters on defensive line. And, and that could really, really throw off what Clemson's going to try and do. And so... I think that I would lean more towards a money line bet against Georgia. You know, we talked about in our preview, let's wait for Georgia to lose this game and then bet on them to win the national championship. Yeah. Um, I think that I, I'm still consistent with that, but I think I would go, uh, you know, a, a, a pizza money bet on Georgia money line here. Uh, although I am still pretty, pretty reluctant. Yeah. Money line here is plus 125. Yeah. Which uh, is, yeah. It, yeah. Not bad. I mean, plus, plus odds to just win the game when we think it's toss up anyway. Uh, Kyle, do you have a thought on the Bulldogs and the Tigers? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, Clemson, the question is, do, are they the team that can expose the fact that Georgia's secondary is a little bit weak? You know, this defensive line, the linebackers are elite for Georgia. You know, the two, three deep, so good. So I guess I, I'll, I'll ask Parker here and, and Gary, you as well. Do you think that Clemson does have the guys? I know they have good wide receivers. 
Uh, they have um, you know DJ. I'll let I'll let uh, Gary pronounce his last name, but uh, you know, is, there you go. <laughs> there you go. That's uh, Gary. Gary's might have to step in on that one sometimes, but uh, I, I will <laughs> say that I think Clemson. Clemson does have good wide receivers. Are they going to be cautious on offense? Are they going to be able to air it out? I guess I'm wondering where, what you guys think on that because I don't think you can beat Georgia by running the football consistently. So can Clemson win it through the air? That's a question for me. Yes, I think they can. I I wonder, you know, with the offensive line discussion that we we were just talking about, if they're able to get pressure on DJ early, does that make him a little a little feet happy, you know, that does, does he not get set? Does he overthrow guys? Uh, because he's, he's working with some wide receivers that he's not used to yet. You still got to build that chemistry. I think that they could absolutely be explosive, especially with Justin Ross coming back. If he's a hundred percent, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, that, that it's why I don't have a play on it. Um, because I just think it's going to be a fascinating game. I, you know, Parker, it, do you feel kind of the same here? Um, I, I I do. I think that what's really interesting about if you compare, I'm going to get philosophical, rein me in, Gary. Um, if, if you compare kind of how Saban built Alabama and how Dabo built Clemson, what Saban did came in and said, I need blue chips on the offensive and, and uh, offensive line. And I think Saban had, I, I did a project this offseason to research this. So I'm pulling these out of, out of the air, but I think I'm right. I think there was like six blue chip linemen on the roster when Saban got there and he took five a year, basically on average starting that. And right now they have more than an entire two deep of blue chip offensive linemen. Clemson, on the other hand, is in the single digits, I believe. I I can't verify that for 2021. I I only did it for 2020 backwards. So maybe I'm wrong on that right now. But Clemson went another route and and kind of went skill players, get the quarterback and and kind of build these these. just build the foundation differently. And so the offensive line for Clemson is always a question mark for me because it feels like they never have kind of these stalwart foundational statues of NFL linemen that that Alabama do, but they're always a a cohesive unit. So the instability there, I think, will be the key matchup because I think that obviously talent, there's really not an advantage one way or the other. Coaching, I don't don't think there's really an advantage one way or the other. You you know, certainly talk about program building, but I'll give Kirby a lot of credit for what happened in Alabama too. So I think that ultimately this will really come down to the the trenches, specifically um, Georgia defensive line against Clemson offensive line. And with the instability, I think that that's, that's really what to watch. Um, what, what I would look at kind of going, you know, yesterday I said, do your homework about Deuce Vaughn and kind of the the, the motion and everything. But what I would look at here is um, starting out, I would see how are Clemson's offensive lines, uh, excuse me, how are Clemson's offensive linemen doubling or attacking the Georgia linemen? Um, because it'll be interesting to see, you know, are, are they going to try and run counter and pull and kind of catch guys in gaps, or are they just going to straight up try and double and create space and let their let her, uh, their guys move? I know that they kind of attack differently based on fronts, but it will be interesting to see if, if Clemson's doing anything weird along the offensive line to start in preparation for, hey, maybe we need to hide one of these interior offensive linemen. Uh, I'm curious about Brent Venables. I've, I've had a lot of people tell me that Clemson's coaching staff, their defensive coaching staff, has been studying the Mississippi State game tape from last season. State held Georgia to eight yards rushing on 23 attempts. I'm curious about that because Mississippi State ran a 3-3-5 defense. Does does Venables come out with something a little crazy, or do they just do their their totally normal package and whatnot 
Um, I mean, remember Ohio State absolutely ate them up. I don't know that Georgia's got the exact same weapons that Ohio State had. Uh, I don't know that JT Daniels is is quite the quarterback that Justin Fields was. But there's a lot of things that you can take from both of those. There are advantages for both sides. I'm going to stay away from it. We did have another question about Illinois and UT San Antonio. Uh, Big Trouble Jack asked for our thoughts on that. The line has dropped from 7.5 earlier in the week down to 5.5 now. That's a Saturday night game. Uh, I feel like Illinois should be able to win this game based on the line of scrimmage. Now, I do feel great about UTSA throughout the season. I like running back Sincere McCormick. I think they're going to be awesome. Um, Harris, the quarterback, like this is a fun team. I like Jeff Trailer. I, Parker, we'll move back to you on this. I know that you've got high, high hopes for UTSA here. I do think Illinois is still the the better overall or more talented team in the spot. You, how do you how do you feel here? It depends on how you feel about King Arthur, uh, Arthur Stutowski, and then kind of what the Illinois offense looks like. I do think this will be um, a running. Uh, obviously, it doesn't matter what I think. This is obviously going to be true that it's going to be a run heavy matchup, and that Illinois is really going to try and. Um, go toe to toe, especially with, with, uh, you know, Brett Bielema's kind of preferred style. And the fact they have a little confidence in that they have a quarterback who might be able to move the ball. I don't think that there will be opportunities for special teams nonsense that, that against UTSA that there were against Nebraska. I think Jeff trailer is a guy who really kind of makes sure things don't fall through the cracks. And if you watched, um, that game or even go look back at the box score, Nebraska was probably going to win an ugly game. And then about, you know, 14 minutes, uh, in that in that second quarter into the third quarter, it just completely came apart. And then Nebraska sort of came back at the end. So I think an absence of kind of those those special teams mishaps, which again, don't really send me a very big signal about Illinois quality. Um, I think this would be pretty close. So so I like UTSA here. Um, I, I will say that I am agnostic about the talent differential. I think that Illinois, I mean, not I think Illinois has a talent differential. But I don't know how big it is. I don't know how much of an effect like the coaching and, and the offseason factors into that. So I didn't I didn't play this one. Um, but I but I do think that it will be uh, lower scoring. And I do think that it will be close. Now, speaking of it being lower scoring, Kyle, I do want to get you in here. The total is 49 on this game, knowing that it is going to be run heavy. I think knowing Bielema and trailer and the pace of play that they like to play with, I, I would expect to go under here. I don't know that I love it, but I, I might look at this as maybe like a live line or something along those lines. How, how do you feel about the uh, the total of 49 here? Yeah, if I'm betting this game, I'm betting the under. That's the only thing I could bet in this game. I will say 56% of the bets on Illinois in this game and 81% of the money on UTSA. So that's a, one of the more drastic splits you'll see. Uh, there's clearly some sharp action here on UTSA. Uh, take that for what you will. I wouldn't want to take UTSA at, at the line that you have now. I mean, some of these people bet plus seven. Uh, that's important to remember, too. Um, I'll try not to go on a diatribe too much here, but some of these people go on like plus seven and they bet it big. And then everybody else sees, hey, there's sharp action on a game like this and they take plus five. Uh, there's a big difference there. A lot of those players that took plus seven wouldn't be taking plus five. So you can't just tail what somebody else did just based on that solely. I do think that UTSA will run the football a lot here. There's no way Sitkowski, uh, Arthur is not going to be nearly as good long term. We know we, we've seen him before. Um, I think that game was probably more about Nebraska not playing well than it was about Illinois being great. Um, to me, UTSA would have been the side I would have wanted at seven. I can't take it now. 
the the total I think is an interesting one because I think there's going to be so much running clock in a game like this because you know those games can go pretty quick when you don't see much passing. I don't think Illinois is going to actually want to air it out too much uh, with Sitkowski. So I think UTSA Illinois uh, pretty strong lean here to the under for me. I can understand it. Now we are ready for a recap. Our official picks for today's show. Parker is riding with Penn State plus five and a half. He's got Miami plus 19 and a half against Alabama. He's got Indiana plus three and a half against Iowa. And he's rolling Ole Miss in the lane train minus 10 and a half. I, Gary, am taking Marshall minus two and a half. Miami plus 19 and a half. And Cincinnati minus 23. And Kyle has plays on West Virginia minus three. And Ohio plus one and a half. I feel good about the slate this weekend. It's going to be a fantastic time. The I feel good about these plays. I really, really do. So with that said, we are coming up on the hour. We're going to go ahead and get out of here. I want to go ahead and remind you, make sure you are subscribed to the channel and hit that notification bell because we are going live on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern time and Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern time to discuss that week's slates, where we find value, et cetera. And you can always jump in the chat like we just had. We had our little Q&A. We will go over the games that you want to discuss as well. So make sure and subscribe, jump in the chat, like the videos, and share it out. Tell everybody you know about it. The show, of course, brought to you by the experts at BetUS. Let's talk about the promo code NCAAF2021. It's a 125% sign-up bonus up to $2,500. You can't beat that with a stick, my friends. Just go ahead and sign up. There's a link in the description. NCAAF2021 is the promo code. Knock that thing out. It's going to be a fun, fun season. So for Parker, for Kyle, we are going to go ahead and get out of here. You guys have a wonderful weekend watching the first full weekend of college football, and we will see you again next week for BetUS, where the game begins.